0: Hey, this is Joseph Macenery. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. If you have a Bible, would you open it up? How many of you love getting into God's Word on a Sunday? Let's make that a priority. Let's do it. Would you open it up to the book of Matthew, chapter 16, and hold tight to it. We are in like week four of this series called the Easter Ensemble, where, folks, we've been looking at um, all of these supporting role characters, all these people who did something significant for Jesus, and they played a part in the story of Easter. They all play a part in that they are doing something small, yet a significant pointing people to the greatest story, the greatest hero, the leading actor, the the star of the show, what Easter is all about, pointing people to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus, amen? So, you know what, what's been on my heart as we teach this series is that we recognize today, 2,000 years later, that this Easter ensemble cast... It doesn't just apply to those in scripture that we are reading about today or that the church has been reading about for 2,000 years but that we have a mission and a task at hand to Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, to go into all the world and make disciples, right? We have a part to play in this Easter ensemble directing people to Jesus, directing people to the King of Kings, directing people like Mary Magdalene said, he is not here, He's, the tomb is empty, right? She was the first to announce that, and we have the same announcement to make, that there is hope for your life, there is grace for your life, there is a solution to to the sin problem that we have in the world, there is hope, that hope has a name, his name is Jesus, and hope is alive. Somebody say amen in the house, right? So as we get going, we want to take a moment, and I'm just going to start preaching, but as we do, we have our Easter invitations that are, are simply, the message is, hope is alive. And so if you, we, we have thousands of these, we got a great price. So take 20, take 30, take five, take one. But let's grab an Easter invite. Can we begin to kind of pass those out and let's just start shuffling them down the rows as we begin to get into the Word this morning? Because, you know, you may know all of our Easter information. We have our Good Friday services, which are going to be amazing. We're going to have our Good Friday communion where Pastor Greg's going to sit down at the piano and tell the story of the crucifixion on Good Friday. Sunday morning, we're going to do something different, and we're going to also have a 7 a.m. sunrise communion service with Pastor Greg. It's going to be really awesome, something new to do, and then we're going to have our 9 and 11, and are there kids in the house today? Where are all the kids today? Uh, Wait, oh my goodness. Kids, where are you? I know it's Family Sunday. This is pretty cool, and I know like, I just speak on behalf of my daughters. I'm a dad we have not had an Easter egg hunt in two years. All right, so Easter, on, on, at the 11 o'clock service, kids, are you excited? We're gonna have an Easter egg hunt where you get to take those eggs home with you and you get to take all the cavities home as well, right? So that is exciting, and uh, Easter is going to be a fantastic week. So we are just glad to be celebrating that. If you were here as we get into the message, a few weeks ago we had this series called Dynamite, understanding the power of the tongue, the power that our mouth has. And we spoke a little bit about how Las Vegas, if you've been in Vegas for any amount of time, for the past 20, 30 years, you can remember a a time when we probably blew something up. And what I mean by that is we, we, we would celebrate these implosions of buildings. It's kind of this like out with the old hotel, and in with the new mega resort or in with something new, right? We, we, we became experts at blowing stuff up and like making a big spectacle of it. But as we get into the message today, I want to prayerfully make this a, a personal message today. On a personal and individual level, we all have experienced some form of implosion in our own lives. This, this situation where we, we have done something, we said something at work, maybe you've walked through a season because you, 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 you lost something because of something that came out of you. You, you lost something because of something you did or, or something you said, a decision that you made, and, and chances are we've all probably can relate to this, but if just in case you haven't, we all probably, if we haven't been through an implosion, chances are you've definitely seen one. Right? I mean, you don't have to look very far from the news or news anchors or different people where we've seen someone work their entire life for something, and all of that comes crashing down because of some decisions or choices or words that people spoke. So whether it's a relationship that is broken down, it's maybe it's a a, a relationship that used to be strong, a marriage that is that is on the brink, maybe it's a friendship that has walked through an implosion, someone maybe you once Maybe someone you had a lot of respect for in a a different season of life. Something happens, and those things that happen begin to uh, create damage and catastrophe and all these things that follow. And when there's an implosion in our personal lives, it can affect our families. Do you know that? Right? It can affect our, our work. It can affect our careers. It can affect our ministries. It affects everything around us because destruction has come into this situation. Is anybody here, um, I live out in the Centennial area. Does anybody here live in God's side of town, the northwest part of Las Vegas? Yeah, that's what I thought, right? No, I'm, I'm, right? Yeah, we love the west, the northwest, right? I live out by Centennial, and they, on the, on the corner of like Centennial and 95, right by this Sam's Club, they just absolutely destroyed a car dealership right, in this parking lot. Anybody that lives out there kind of knows by that Starbucks. And I'm pretty sure because the greatest restaurant in the history of the world just moved in across the street. It's called Chick-fil-A, right? And I think they know there's going to be extra traffic in that area, so they're they're sprucing it up and they're making it look nice. But what I find interesting right now and for the last couple months, they have absolutely destroyed like a very nice-looking car dealership. And I mean, it is just absolute chaos and rubble, and there are stacks and piles of broken rocks and broken bricks and debris everywhere. It just looks like a total mess. And when I drive by that corner, I can't help but thinking that how could this location ever be useful again, right? It looks like it should be used for the, the film set of the next Avengers movie where they all are just destroying things and the, the superheroes are running around, right? It, it just looks like absolute chaos and, and, and to me there's something when we talk about our personal lives sometimes we get this feeling much like this corner of centennial and 95 like it's just so messy that it can never be useful again. Do you ever feel that way on a personal level like man there's just there's so much wrong here there's so much implosion going on decisions choices maybe that I've made or someone around you made that it just feels too messy to ever be useful or used again. This is the situation we find ourselves in with today's cast member, today's Easter ensemble member. His name is Peter. Would you turn to someone and say, Peter? Peter. We're gonna talk about this man, and much like Thomas, he finds himself in a situation where he falls to his lowest moment. He is following Jesus for three years. Jesus is crucified, and we know the story, and even among the 12, Peter was like in that group of three that Jesus poured into, right? Peter, Peter was the man, he was, I think even unquestionably, he was the leader, right? After he, was, he, he, he led the disciples, and we're going to pick this story up, Jesus has been crucified, he has, he has shown himself already, but he has been resurrected, and we can see that, that Peter actually goes back to a little bit of his old job in a moment, but if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to pick this up because we're going to see some things about Peter today that I pray we can relate to. Can we look at verse 15? Then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. Right here in this in this." passage it's almost in a sense jesus commissions peter even though he knows the failures that are going to come right simon his name it's like this it means this this little pebble this little stone and and jesus says no 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 no. from now on you're going to be called the stone the rock and he goes on if we know this story says you're going to become the rock on which my church will be built now i say to you that you are peter which means rock and upon this rock turn to someone and say, I will build my church. How many of us know it's amazing that God continues to this day, amen, to build his church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I love this passage because it's a reminder and just like we saw with Thomas last week, we all have moments where as Christians we get it right, don't we? We score an A-plus on that test that was given to us, that spiritual examination, whatever it is. We all have moments where we spiritually are strong, and just like Peter and just like Thomas, and then we can also have moments connected very closely that we are spiritually weak, where we just absolutely blow it at the same time. It's easy to remember, right, about Peter. We often point out the story, uh, much like Thomas, where he blows it. We, we would know this as the, the moment when, right, Jesus is arrested and taken away, and we know this story where Peter denies Christ, and not only does he deny him twice or once, but then he denies him twice, and he denies him a third time. We're going to read about this a little bit this week and maybe in weeks to come, but if you have your Bible, would you flip ahead now to Luke chapter 22? So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, let's go to chapter 22. Verse 31. Luke twenty-two, thirty-one. 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Jesus says, Simon Peter, the devil, he, he wants you, he wants the disciples, he wants to take you out. And one thing that I noticed here in this passage is that, you know, even think of the story of Job in the Old Testament. It seems to me like The enemy asks permission to go after (laughs) the followers of Jesus. Do we notice that in Scripture? It says, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Peter was this de facto leader of the disciples, and he's going to fail in a public way. He's going to fail massively uh, amongst his peers and the the men that he is leading. And Satan is asking permission to take him into the octagon, right? He's asking permission to mess him up. To box him around a little bit in the ring, right? Satan is looking for something. And you know, I think even in our personal lives, Satan is looking for that dirt on Peter. I remember there's those, those I, I don't remember, there were some, some movies I remember watching as a kid where they involved like the CIA or something. and They always had like an envelope of dirt on somebody, right? They've got information on someone. And I think, I think in a spiritual The enemy of our soul, he's looking for dirt on us, something that he can use against us, something that he can hold over us, something that he can keep us feeling guilty about or shameful about. And he did that with Peter. And we're gonna talk about maybe about what that thing was, something to mess up Peter's life that the enemy could use. Number one, would you write this down, our first thing today? We have a really special day, but we're gonna get through some scripture today. Number one... Satan can only do to you what he's been permitted to do to you. This is an interesting, like you might be sitting here today scratching your head thinking about this. Jesus in this scripture is interceding for Peter, but notice what he says here. And, 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 and let's look at this, verse 32, but I have pleaded for you, Peter. He says, Peter, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail. Do you see that in your notes today? I prayed that your faith would not fail. So when you have repented... And turn to me, he says, strengthen your brothers. Peter, I've prayed for you. I'm interceding for you that your faith would not fail. But when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. I love this about Jesus. He doesn't say, Peter, if you repent. He doesn't say, Peter, if you turn back to me. Do you notice that, church? What does he say? Would you underline this, circle this in your house? He says, Peter, when you repent. He says, I know you're going to do it. I know it's gonna be okay, right? And I know you're gonna come back. So I want you to use this. I want you to use this to encourage. I want you to use your mess up and your failures, right? And your doubts. He says, when you repent. When you come back to me. Strengthen your brothers. The book of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 31, Jesus predicts, he, he says that, and it comes to fruition, he says, all of the disciples that night, he was arrested. He says, all of you are going to run away that night. All of you are going to flee for your life. And look at what Peter says. He's always that guy to speak up. Do you know anybody like Peter? They're the first to jump in the pool, the first to jump out of the boat, the first to just do something, right? They don't want to like just dip their foot in the pool. They're just all in, right? Look what Peter says. And I think this might reveal a little bit about what's going on in the heart of Peter. Verse 33, Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you. (laughs) You sure? You sure about that? He goes on. Lord, I'm I'm ready to even die with you. And we're going to see in a few verses, are you sure? (laughs) I mean, think about that if, if Jesus was asking us of that, that of us right now, right? I mean, there's part I can relate to Peter. I'm like, Jesus, I want to die for you, but can I do it in like 50 years? Right? And P- Peter might be thinking the same thing. Like, I'm ready to go, but like, wait, I didn't, wait not now. Not, right? Wait, not right now. Verse 34, but Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something before the rooster crows tomorrow morning you will deny three times that you even knew me, that you even know me. Why would God give the enemy of our souls permission to do something against his people? Right, Jesus says, Peter, I'm praying for you. The devil has asked to sift all of you away, right? He's asking for you. He's looking to take you, to stop you. It reveals this truth that I think sometimes it's difficult for us to accept when we're dealing with an issue called pride. Would you write that down in your notes today? Pride, a heart full of pride. Sometimes God will allow, I believe, Satan to tempt us in order to expose something in our life that we continually fail to address. Did you hear that, church? Sometimes I believe God allows the enemy to tempt us, to use something against us because we have failed to repent of something. We have failed to take care of something, and so God says, you know what, if if you aren't going to take care of this issue, this pride issue, or whatever it is that I see going on in your heart, if you're not going to look a little bit deeper, then I will allow things to happen to draw that disobedience out, to bring it to the surface. There's something wrong, right, that we may not even know, but I believe the Lord wants to expose that, right? God will allow our, our sinful tendencies to take place he will allow write this down he will allow our sinfulness to be revealed so that it might lead us to repentance like that's that's like when you think about it with peter he, he will allow our mistakes to be revealed so that it might lead us to have a heart that is repentant towards the things of god this week i was um monday night i was listening to i was listening to a bible study uh, online and as i was as I was vacuuming my house, I had an earpiece in and I'm vacuuming the house and we're getting the kids ready for bed and I'm listening and something came up, but you know, think about like God exposing things, right? And we, this was kind of, it was just cool, but I never would have thought of it like this, but uh, we, were, we, were in our, we were listening in and I was just kind of listening because it was just a nice time to get refreshed for me. And as I was listening to these men lead this Bible study, one of them said something, it was something like this, he said, I love it when I see God move without a doubt. Like when I know that has to be God, that's only God doing that, right? Do you guys love it when that takes place? Sometimes, depending on the outcome, right? <laughs> Sometimes, be careful, right? And I was kind of like, as I'm vacuuming the floor and listening, I'm kind of like, what are they, all right, what are they, what are they going towards here? And what he was referencing, it's just so, I think it was just interesting, right? What he was referencing was the Sunday night slap heard around the world. Anybody know what I'm referring to? Everybody's like, what? we don't know what you're talking, Right? Right? Don't you talk about my wife, whatever, right? He was referencing this issue that it was like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe the world. We, I can't believe that happened, right? And as we were talking in this Bible study, we started praying and just talking about some things. But his opinion was interesting to me because what he said was this, much like Peter, right? He said, God exposed something in front of the whole world when that happened. He exposed the heart, he exposed what's going on in the heart of that actor, and he exposed it for the world to see, right? And it's a, in a sense, It's and I remember like, the, the things that I was thinking in my mind, because in my mind I was like, some of us like joking about stuff, and we like like making light of things. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's a spiritual issue on display for all of us to see, like what's going on, right? And like Peter, Peter was totally exposed by the fire, right? Jesus is taken away and he's warming himself by a fire and everything breaks down for Peter. We're gonna get back into God's word. Let's look at verse 32 again and kind of hang out here. But Peter, I have pleaded for you in prayer. Simon, so that your faith would not fail so when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. I love that it says when you turn to me again because just by saying turn to me again, that means he must have turned away. Like, by default, that means his back went, Jesus is over there, he went the other way. And he says, Peter, when you turn back to me again, strengthen your brothers. This scripture is so packed, it's packed with so much. But there's three things Jesus prophesies in this scripture. You can write them down if you want. But the first one is, he talks about and he predicts and he prophesies Peter's failure. How many of you would like like Jesus to do that about us, right? All of us say, yeah, we want to hear from God. Really? I don't know. He prophesies, first thing, Peter, his failure. The second thing, Peter's repentance. And the third thing I love most of all, he prophesies Peter's usefulness again. Three things in that one scripture he says, Peter, you're going to fail, but you know what? It's going to bring you to a place of repentance and when you get to that place when your heart begins to look like mine when you when that pride begins to exit the building Peter then I will use you to change the entire world but we got to get to that point we got to go through it right Number 2 even before you blew it God was promising you that it's not too late I love that about this passage I love that as it applies to Peter even before Peter blew it God was promising that it's not too late Isn't that amazing Right, we know in Scripture, right, it, the Bible says, and, and it says that, that pride comes before what? Pride comes before fall. Usually in our lives, right, usually, in, and you can see like in people, whatever it is, what was it about Peter, what was it about Peter that gave the enemy a seat at the dinner table? Right, what was it about Peter that left the door cracked open just a little bit for the enemy to work his, his thing? To get in the ring and begin to box a little bit with Peter, right? What was it that, that, that made Peter so prone to attack? Well, I think it's right here. Look at this in verse 33. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you. I'm ready to die with you. He's this loud talking, loud mouth, whatever, right? He has this habit of letting his mouth just run wild. And how many of us know there's just a time... Where sometimes we need to just, we need to just shut it. (laughs) Lord, I'm your guy. Lord, I'm going to go to jail with you. Lord, I'll even die with you. And Jesus is sitting there going, Peter, I love you, but no, you won't. No, you won't. Not yet, anyways. Not now. We know in truth, it would only take the accusations, right, a couple translations label this young lady, they say it's a, a servant girl. Peter says, I'm, I'm willing, I can do it, right? And in truth, we know the accusations of a young servant girl caused Peter to totally back away from this these big, bold promises that he's making. The, it caused him to fold just hours later. Let's look at verse 34. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Ha, <laughs> ha. I feel like in these conversations, if I were Peter, this would just be the time to just leave. Like, anytime, time, gee, hey, let me tell you something. Oh, gosh, let me, let me leave. I'm out, right? <laughs> I'm out. Let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Um, how many of you remember back in, like, school where you knew there was a final at the end of the semester? You knew there was a test at the end of the semester, and like you, I, I still was the type of student that a lot of times I just keep waiting to the final two weeks or whatever. I'd start to cram. Like Peter is—he's given the date and the time of the exam, and he still fails the test. It's not like Jesus said, "Hey, sometimes in the next year this is going to happen. Sometimes next week or sometimes next month." He says, "No, no. Look at this. He says before sunrise. That means this is less than twenty-four hours, Peter." Like, dude, what is wrong with you, Peter? What is wrong with you, Simon Peter? He says, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even knew me. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't like do it for just a few hours, right? That's how much his, his talk, his, his talk was outrunning his actions. Jesus said all this, he gave Peter the time frame, he gave him the warning signs, and still Peter's heart, was exposed and look what Peter said he still said that I'm ready to go to prison I think the enemy knew the type of pride that existed in Peter's heart and you know what about each of us there's some area or some crack or some small way each of us have a heart that is a little bit like Peter's and you know what God knows the areas where we have that pride but you know who else knows the enemy of our soul he knows your pride he knows my pride he knows those areas Where we are elevating ourselves more than we should. He knows that, man, if I can just get them to think, man, I'm Mr. Big Stuff or I'm Mrs. Big Shot, whatever it is, he knows that we will give the enemy a seat at the table and something that he can use against us when we begin to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And when pride is found, it is never surprising that an implosion usually begins to follow close behind. In some area of our lives, and Peter in public, he denied Jesus, he, this, this apostle, he, he committed apostasy, he said, I don't know the guy. John chapter 18, would you go to the, the, the last of the four gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 18, verse 17. Do you have your smartphone? You got your notes? We got a lot of scriptures. is that all right? You with us still? All right, all right, let's jump into it. Verse 17, we know this time period as the moment where... Peter denied Christ. Verse 17, the woman asked Peter, you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. Would you underline that? Would you circle that? Just kind of random two words, a charcoal fire. And they stood around it warming themselves and Peter stood with them warming his, himself. Skip ahead to verse 25. They asked him again, "You're not one of his disciples, are you?" And again he denied it saying, "No, I am not." But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative, I love this, of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, "She's going to know this guy, right? She don't need a smartphone to remember this memory cuz she had a relative whose ear had been chopped off. I remember this dude, you, you were crazy in the garden, didn't I see you out there in the Olive Garden, Olive Grove, Olive Garden, wouldn't mind some, wouldn't mind some pasta of some breadsticks, the Olive Garden. No, if you're watching at home online, Jesus did not take them to the Olive Garden, uh, <laughs> That's right. (laughs) Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus, this young lady said. It's interesting, right? Um, The Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark, and it's thought that Mark was like Peter's ghostwriter when Peter gave his account of the Gospel. And so in the very Gospel of Mark, it's like Peter outs himself because he says that in that Gospel, it actually says that Peter began cursing at them. It says, like, he was so emphatic that I don't know him. His, his prior life as a fisherman rapidly came back to the surface. Because how many of you know fishermen probably, they know, they know how to swear now, and they know how to probably swear then. He, maybe he, he kind of stopped doing it for about three years, so maybe he was a little rusty. Have you ever heard anybody who's just a bad swearer? Like, they've been a Christian for so long, when they finally lose their temper and they say something bad, you're like, you have no flow. You don't know how to do that properly. Have you ever noticed, right? Sometimes people just sound goofy when they, when they try to do that, right? And I bet you Peter, maybe that was Peter, he, he, he draws their attention because the Bible says that he actually was so emphatic about the issue. I, I don't blankety, I don't, I don't know him. How many of us know like when, when we as men, when we really want to make our point, we get louder and we get more verbal? And Peter goes there and he has this implosion. But I want to kind of ask us this question as we jump into point number three. God, what is it about me when things implode around me, when difficulty arises? God, what is it about me? What is going on inside of me? What is it about me, Lord, that you are wanting to reveal? What is it about me that you're wanting to reveal to me? Because we know from this story of Thomas and we know the story of, of Peter that God loves us too much that he is going to use our weaknesses, our failures, our sinful tendencies to lead us to a place of repentance. Number three, our final point this morning your future doesn't have to be determined by your failures. My goodness. We know this about Mary Magdalene in week one, right? We, don't, we, we know this about Thomas. We know this about Peter, that their future, it's not dictated by their past failures, but their future is dictated by the grace and the covering they've received from Jesus Christ. John chapter 21, Peter goes back to his day job, and then we're gonna kind of wrap it up here. John chapter 21, do you have your Bible? Would you just open it to John 21 and you can kinda glance at it today. And I wanna ask you, even over the coming weeks, would you make this a part of your devotion this week or your devotional life? John chapter 21, it's, we're gonna get into this story more in weeks to come, but for time's sake today we won't do too much. But Peter goes back to this job that he knew. His day job, his fisherman job, I believe he went back to it because he knew that he failed Jesus. He knew that he wasn't, he knew in his heart that he totally failed. When the moment came to step up, he absolutely blew it. And I think even at this point, he had experienced him in the resurrection in the the room, right? But I think there's something going on in Peter where he probably thinks, Jesus is not going to want anything to do with me. I was was his guy. I was his guy, and I blew it. In this chapter, John chapter 21, we're going to see that Jesus actually goes after Peter. Peter doesn't go find him to apologize. Jesus goes to the guilty party. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't he still do that to us today? He shows himself to those that are guilty, and he did this with Peter, and he restores him. In John chapter 21, as we maybe read it this week, Peter failed that night Jesus was arrested. right? And Remember, he swore all those times, as Matthew and Mark says, he began to swear at people. He said, I never met him. And Peter, no doubt, felt so bad about this. Peter, no doubt, was embarrassed. He probably couldn't face the, 11, the other 10 remaining disciples, right? He probably felt so foolish about what he had done. I'm supposed to lead these men and here. I can't even figure this out for myself. And I love what Jesus did. I love what Jesus prepared. In John chapter 21, this is one of the most spiritual things maybe you can do For someone where restoration needs to take place, and this might sound funny to you, you need to cook someone breakfast. You need to go to Starbucks and get a coffee and enjoy that smell, enjoy that breakfast smell. The Bible says Jesus did this for Peter. He showed up, and would you just underline this, circle this, would you write it in your notes? He showed up, he cooked Peter breakfast. You're kind of looking at me like, what? I do, I'm a breakfast guy. I love it. I love the smell of breakfast. Does anybody here love the smell of bacon in the morning? Right? I could, like, I love coming home at nighttime and you still smell bacon in the kitchen in the morning? Right? No, wives don't enjoy that so much, but dudes, I'm like, yes. But he cooked him, the Bible says in John 21, he cooked him fresh bread and fish. And here it goes. This is what I was reading this week that stood out to me, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more. The Bible says jesus cooked the bread and get this he cooked the fish and read this and find this in john chapter 18 verse 18 or john chapter 21 verse 9 right there it says he cooked it over a charcoal fire he cooked the bread he cooked the fish over a charcoal fire This term in the Greek language, it only appears twice in the New Testament. Both both times in the book of John, this term charcoal fire. It doesn't say just normal fire, right? It says a charcoal fire. It only appears twice. You want to know where? It appears right here in John 21, verse 9, and then it appears on that night where Peter folded like Swiss cheese because a young lady asked him who he was. John chapter 18, 18, when Peter was warming himself by the charcoal fire, denying that he ever knew Christ. Jesus prepares this ultimate restoration scene by cooking breakfast, and Jesus being God, knowing how he made his creation. You ever notice how you could go to an ice cream shop, and it will bring back a memory of something from your childhood? Right, You can go to a specific sound, a specific sight, a specific smell, and it triggers something in your brain that brings back a memory. I think Jesus knew exactly how powerful our, our memories can be and how things can be triggered, how a scent can take us right back. And here we go. At nighttime by the fire, right, Peter failed. But when the sun rose... Jesus cooked him breakfast and in the morning, by the fire, Jesus offered grace. All of it by the charcoal fire. I think he did this because Jesus wanted to make sure Peter, whenever you are out on the road, Peter, whenever you are going to take the gospel around the world, Peter, whenever you are by the fireside warming yourself, I don't want you to remember the time where you totally screwed up and blew it, but Peter, I I want you to remember the time I cooked you fresh bread, I cooked you fish, and I restored you, and I said, come back and be the rock on which I'll build my church. Amen? Holy cow, right? I think Peter wanted to... Jesus wanted to connect that. He said, you know what? Say goodnight to your failure and say good morning to the grace I have for you. Can we bow our heads? Let's pray, church, come on. God, we love you, we thank you for this time and it's good to be in your house. God, it's good to be in your word. God, we pray for each person here and all of those even watching online, God, we thank you for the grace that you offer us. It doesn't matter how bad we've messed up, how Peter-like we have been, that we have not been perfect, not one of us, but your word declares, Jesus is all about saying, my grace is for you. He constantly goes after us that blow it when we're not even going towards him. And So it doesn't matter what you've done or how bad you feel, but Jesus would say there's grace for you I'm going to cook you breakfast. And when you smell that fresh fish, when you smell that fresh cooked loaf of bread, Peter, I want you to remember, I want it to stir you up and remember just how much you have been forgiven. Because Peter, your future is not determined or dictated by that failure, by the fireside. But I want you to use it. And I want you to be Matthew 28 19 Christian that says Peter go into all the world and make disciples father encourage us to remember that for such a time as this God we see so much wrong so much sin we see it in our country we see it in Europe we see it in our neighborhood God we see the damaging effects of sin all around us and some of us have walked in that Some of us have walked through an implosion. Maybe you're here today and you need a breakfast cooking moment. You need to come to the fire and accept the restoration and the grace that Jesus wants to offer you today. If you're here today and you know what, you can just say, you know what, I have been like Peter. I've been prideful. I've been doing my own thing. I have ran from God. I have not even wanted to publicly declare that I know God. If that's been you and you know what, you just feel like, you know what, like Peter, I need to come home. Like Peter, I need to come back into relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been out of relationship with him, or maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Giving your life to Christ is is something I like to say, it's simply acknowledging who he is. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me in front of men, I will acknowledge you in front of my heavenly father. Giving your life to Christ is recognizing and acknowledging that he is the son of God, that he is who he said he was. So if you'd like to do that today, I'd like to invite you just to lift your hand, just to lift your eyes, just to acknowledge him. We don't need to make it weird. Sometimes we do all this weird stuff. We don't need to make it weird. We can just say, you know, I acknowledge Jesus is who he said he is. That he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. So if that's you, would you lift your hand? I'm going to count to three and just lift your hand and say, I want to acknowledge Jesus in this house. One, two, and three. Would you lift your hand, church? I see you over there. Would you lift your hand? I see you over there. Would you, I see you over there. Amen. I see you over there. Can we just pray this morning, church? Can we say, Jesus, I need you. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I believe you went to the cross. I believe you covered me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose for me. Thank you for new life. Help me to serve you. In Jesus' name. Can we all say amen? Can we applaud Him? Can we praise Him? Lord, we praise You. We worship You. We love You. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. we stream service live. Thank you again for listening.